Nick was an expert at asking the delaying question, also known as the teacher stopper, or the guaranteed time waster. At three minutes before the bell, in that split second between the end of today's classwork and the announcement of tomorrow's homework, Nick could launch a question guaranteed to sidetrack the teacher long enough to delay or even wipe out the homework assignment. Timing was important, but asking the right question, that was the hard part. Questions about stuff in the news, questions about the college the teacher went to, questions about the teacher's favorite book or sport or hobby. Nick knew all the tricks, and he had been very successful in the past. Here he was, in fifth grade, near the end of his very first language arts class with Mrs. Granger, and Nick could feel a homework assignment coming the way a farmer can feel a rainstorm. Excerpt from Frindle by Andrew Clemens, and this is Books That Raised Us. I'm Alana Shapiro, an educator and mom whose best friends were books for most of my childhood. And I'm Esty Shapiro, a designer and writer currently in grad school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And this one was my pick. Um, so I reread it and you didn't. What do you remember about Frindle? I'm so glad you picked this one because I love this book. Um... I remember that it's about a boy, a fifth grade boy, um, in Miss Granger's class who has all the tricks up his sleeve, <laughs> as as that uh, passage um, that you read uh, indicates. Um, and the whole book is about Nick making up a new word for the word pen. Yeah. Right? So he decides that a pen should be called a frindle from now on. And it's the whole story of um, how this, you know, phenomenon plays out and he gets his whole class involved and it goes just way beyond him trying to, you know, get out of, get out of the homework assignment <laughs> for tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Miss Granger is a fifth grade language arts teacher, and Nick Allen is just kind of a, a pot stirrer, um, <laughs> which is, I think, why I love him. And basically, the, that excerpt that I read at the beginning is Nick not wanting to, to get their first homework assignment. And so he asks Miss Granger... Um, oh, and the big thing is that Miss Granger loves the dictionary. Like, she loves the dictionary. <laughs> and so Nick asks her, you know, you've got all these dictionaries all around this room and they're all full of words, but where did those words come from? And so Miss Granger is sort of having none of it. And unlike other teachers who, um, who Nick can distract out of giving homework, Miss Granger assigns a special research project and presentation just for Nick to answer the question, (laughs) where do words come from? How do new words get made? And basically Nick decides like words are pretty arbitrary and he just kind of as an experiment, like that day, um, asks one of his friends to pass him a 
Frindle and points at a pen, and then you're right. Like, you described it perfectly. It just spirals out of control, and it, it, like, it gets picked up by the local news and the national news, and then kids all over the country are saying it. And and Miss Granger sort of, you know, plays the antagonist the whole time. Like, you have no respect for the dictionary, and words have meanings, and you can't just arbitrarily make up words. Um, and she really, like, fuels it. And, and totally fuels it by being really antagonistic, and then essentially, like, everyone's saying, like, Nick, quit it, like, like, stop, you know, the school, the superintendent, the principal, whatever, and Nick's like, I, I can't, like, it's not my word anymore, like, it is, you know, it's everyone's word, like, Frindle belongs to fifth graders all over the country who are saying it, and ultimately, um, like, sort of the end of the book, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, skip this part, (laughs) because it's worth the read, but ultimately, Miss Granger sends Nick, it's like Christmas, like 10 or 20 years later, he's in college, and Miss Granger sends him a letter that she had written when he was a fifth grader in her class during the Frindle debacle that basically says, like, every story needs a good villain, like, in some ways you need an antagonist to, like, fuel your desire to make this happen, and I, I said I would send this letter when the Frindle debate was over, and so it's over, you've won, because the word Frindle is in the dictionary. dictionary. <laughs> and, and she had this letter that she was waiting to send him to tell it was in the dictionary. But basically she says, like, good job, you did you it. Did like, it. I was sort of secretly rooting for you all along. You just needed a teacher to antagonize in order to actually follow through and, and do this. Right. Which, which I, is why this is one of the best children's books ever written. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that's... That's sort of the brilliance of Frindle is yeah. like, you know, Miss Granger is like a, a tough teacher, um, and she really pushes her students, and sometimes she's pretty critical of them. But like, she was always rooting for right. Nick, you know, exactly. like she 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 really fueled the the curiosity exactly, <laughs> and you know, played that antagonist so that they would push back and he did like take this further than anyone ever could have imagined, you know, from this homework assignment he was trying to get out of that really overtook the rest of his school year. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and he gets rich off of it because oh, right? they sell like Frindle merchandise. Like the, there's a, a guy in town who sells the original Frindle and it's like a pen that says Frindle on it and <laughs> You know, Nick gets some cut, cut of that profit and is able to, like, go to college on it. <laughs> so funny. So what year did this book come out and when did you read it? Yeah, so Frindle was published in 1996 and so I was just an infant. I did not read it then. <laughs> I read it probably when I was just about around Nick's age. I think maybe fourth grade. I was a little bit younger. I was not quite in fifth grade, um, but but it, it's certainly a book written for kids about Third, the same fourth, age yeah. as the protagonist, um, and it was actually also one, I, I might have read it sort of on my own first, but, but we definitely read it as part of a book club, like a social book club of my, my peers and friends, whatever, it was just, it was like yeah. a weekend thing, you know, like once a month we would like get together with right. some of my friends and their moms, different family would host each month and like right, pick right. the book 
I think when we were hosting, we picked Sally J. Friedman, probably. We did. That's absolutely the truth. <laughs> and we made, there was always a craft with it. Do you remember what we made? Oh, yeah, we made, like, picture frames, and we decorated them, but they said, like, starring, and then, like, our name as herself, herself. <laughs> and then, like, it was a picture of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Wow. I digress. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but we read Frindle for this book, and I, I remember a lot of the book club, like, conversation being around, like, the question that Nick is asking this whole time, right? Like, where do where words come from? from? Why do words have, like, why do words mean what we say they mean? Like, what, you know, what does it mean to just arbitrarily make up a word? Um, which in some ways, you know, is kind of a silly, fun question for a fourth, fifth grader to, like, right. grapple with. And in some ways it's actually, like, I think way more profound than I gave it credit for at the time. And I think, you know, it has whatever, I'm not a linguist by any means, but I right. think there are a lot of questions and implications around, like, where language comes from, why, you know, why English words are from Greek and Latin roots, and why, you know, how languages evolve, and, and frankly, like, it's a story of, like, empire, and right. I think thinking about other languages, or, like, why different people call things different, different things, languages. like, is a really interesting sort of social question, um, sure. And I think I think what I love about this book is that it gives like this kid the agency to just make shit up. Like right. just right. just make up a word and start using it and like Let's it's it if people use it it's a word and it has right. meaning because we say it right. has meaning. It's and very like, funny ever since reading this book, you know, whatever, 15 years ago. Um I have paid special attention every year when the new list of words that have made it into Merriam-Webster's dictionary comes out. Um, and it just, it always kind of reminds me of the book Frindle <laughs> when I see that list. Um, and it, it just makes me chuckle and remember, you know, Andrew Coleman's story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, similarly, it's not a dictionary, but there's a Twitter account that, like, a Twitter bot that I, I follow that I love called New New York Times, that every time a word appears in print in the New York Times for the first time, this bot just tweets the Ooh. word. And so it's it's That's often cool. things like Zoomer or, like... Bougie. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> Ratchet. Like, whatever. Um, and, right, some of that is, like... AAV that like once it gets adopted by white people the New York Times starts using it yeah. some of that is like just like what the kids these days are saying but right. what my favorite thing about that bot is because it's it's just like a an AI like you know scanning the New York right. Times text for new words it doesn't know the difference between a new word and a typo <laughs> Oh, that's and funny. so every so time they make a, a typo, typo, it pops up on this Twitter feed. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> or like it, it'll be clear that it's like two words that are just missing a space in between. But right. if that mistake has never been made before in the New York Times, that's it'll really tweet it out. Funny. So I, like I just think there's something kind of <laughs> hilarious about not knowing the difference between like new language and like, like mistakes. mistakes. <laughs> that's really funny, and how embarrassing for like the person who made that typographical <laughs> error that everybody it's like out there on Twitter for everybody in the world. Yeah, for That's sure. Really funny. Um so when you reread it, were there parts that surprised you or that you had forgotten about? 
Yeah, well, the first thing that, like, really shocked me um, early on, it's, like, the second chapter when you meet Nick's new language arts teacher, Miss Granger, and I forgot that that was her name, and I, you know, I think, obviously, when we think of book characters named Granger, uh, there's one obvious, like, bookish know-it-all <laughs> who we, we tend to think of, and and she's she has this really, like, I love dictionaries, I love order, and and... <laughs> words and like I don't know I think there's some part of me that on rereading it was like isn't it funny this could be like like if Hermione wasn't magical she could have become this like stodgy language arts teacher it's funny it's almost like a new word could be invented called like the Granger type personality yeah yeah like oh she's such a Granger (laughs) anyways so that really surprised me but honestly more more than anything else that was, like, a small thing early on, but yeah. throughout the whole book, it truly, like, floored me just how funny this book is. Like, we've read a, reread a lot of books for this podcast, and books I love, and books that are touching and sweet and funny and, you know, nostalgic, and I have not laughed this hard rereading any book yet today. <laughs> like, I truly was laughing out loud throughout this book it's just so funny (laughs) (laughs) he's a great writer so did you have a favorite part or a favorite character in the book yeah I mean definitely Nick Allen you know related to just how funny this book is 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 how well Andrew Clemens writes a 10 year old like how Mm -hmm. how sort of real this character is and like in his friends and his social interactions and the way he thinks about school and authority and and I like I that was just so lovely to <laughs> to revisit um you know and I've I've been doing some substitute teaching this this year while in in grad school and just being in a classroom with like fifth graders like this is how they talk and think and interact and like I I loved reading reading this again it was funny what about you do you have a favorite part of this book you know I remember it's been a long time since I've read it but I remember just absolutely adoring Miss Granger (laughs) um you know her passion for the English language and the dictionary which sounds like super nerdy geeky you know but um you know, just kind of this unapologetically bookish, <laughs> you know, English language arts loving teacher um, who actually, you know, isn't kind of the lovey-dovey, la-la kind of teacher, is is more stern and, and strict, but but that, like, ignites this passion in her students that they don't really realize it's sort of her being really intentional about fueling this interest and passion and curiosity in them but it works it totally works and um you know the fact that she cares so much about this situation and this child that when he's in college she sends him this letter and like tracks his progress and like where he's at and what's happening with his word um, that he came up with her in her class and you know proves to him 
you won, good job, yay, and, you know, I, I was rooting you along all, you know, rooting for you all along, <coughs> is, um, was just amazing, and, and I loved that. Yeah, and also that she knows what he needs to be successful in this way, right? Yeah. Like, that if she had come yeah. out, like, at the beginning, outright, and totally. said, like, I want you to try to invent a new word, he would have absolutely right. refused. Because, yeah. you know, he, he makes it clear from the beginning that he's sort of flouting authority and, like, um, not doing not what teachers ask right. is, like, what's important to Nick. And so exactly. I think, you know, if she had outright asked him to take on this experiment, it wouldn't have been nearly as successful because he just wouldn't have cared or been in, as invested as if, as when he thought or perceived that this was, like, some sort of rebellion, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And so she had to, like, play that bad guy role in order for him to want to push back and rebel against and fight so hard. So, yeah, yeah I just, I love the screenshot. Well, and it's funny, I think we talk about sort of the balance between strong a strong relational approach and, mm. like, um, knowing your students and being, like, close to them on a sort of social level and um, having really high expectations or high standards exactly. for their work. And I think, you know, often that's seen as, like, a trade-off, like a one or the other, but right. we, we've it's talked totally o- a number of times that, like, the best educators are those who who have a really strong relational approach and also high standards for the work and quality of work that their students are doing. And I think in some ways, you know, I I don't know as a kid that I would have seen that Miss Granger really, like, knows her students and is responding to, like, (laughs) what they need and and sort of their demeanor or or, um, emotional needs, but... But she absolutely is. Yeah. Like, she's she's on it. She, she knows. <laughs> um, which I think I only recognized, like, as an adult. For sure. For sure. You, you know, there's a completely different perspective when you're reading the story as a 10-year-old versus, you know, <laughs> in adulthood. Um, so are we ready for the, the big question? So how did this book raise you? <laughs> I think, honestly, you're going to laugh, but I, I really think just the way that this book celebrates being kind of a pot stirrer um, <laughs> is a way that's, like, very unusual. Like, I don't know that I had ever seen that in a book before, certainly at this age, before reading this, that, yeah. like, um, you know, the characters who sort of question or challenge authority and, like, don't want to do their homework and look for creative ways out of their responsibilities. Like that they're, this book sort of values that in a way that I don't think um, I had ever seen before. And that I think was really influential to me. Uh, Yeah. I just, I think, I think that's something that needs to be celebrated more. Right. Absolutely. I I think kids who like, ask provocative questions and challenge um sort of accepted knowledge or (laughs) norms or rules or authority like that's a really valuable skill frankly that like we don't value certainly in educate in like a formal education setting and I think 
I think this book gets that. Exactly. No, I think I agree with you. I think, um, you know, it really speaks to the value of kind of critical thinking and, um, you know, asking deep questions about, well, why do we do this this way or why is the world this way? And you're right, there's not a ton of children's books that um, share that perspective. Um, and, and make it so okay and so valued. Yeah. I also, I think it, it's fun in how it celebrates the way that, like, kids naturally are really imaginative and creative and good at, like, m- making things up in a way that, like, we, I think, lose to some extent as adults. I, I'm thinking about this, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at me, but this um, TikTok account from a kindergarten teacher named Miss Frazzled, who who makes these videos about like words my students use and it's like oh, it's so hot out I need to wear my short sleeve pants right like yeah. and they're words that like make frankly more, more sense, sense than yeah. what we call things but it's like yeah. funny combinations or like totally um I think there's something so brilliant about the way that kids like make connections between things and and fill in the blanks that right. they don't know or understand yet. Um, and certainly with language, that happens all the time, right? Like, For kids sure. have great words, and I think <laughs> I think that's another thing this book really celebrates. Right, for sure. It's too bad we don't kind of take more of those <laughs> into, into our actual spoken language, because kindergartners are pretty brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining us. That was Frindle on Books That Raised Us. Next week, we'll be talking about Chrysanthemum by Kevin Hankies. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Until then, we're on Twitter and Instagram as at Books Raised Us. Our theme music is by Cooper Kaminsky. Happy Happy reading. reading!